from a user mindset point of view is it like a candy offering or is it like a painkiller like let's say within retention you have three basic pillars one is of course activation of a user then is build, building engagement for the user and then building res resurrection you personalize in the content basis the data that the user gave you in yes. that context yes and the user is not engaged uh, the the time duration between the install and the uh, next engagement, if it crosses over to let's yes. say three days, whatever X time frame, yeah. then there's a triggered communication with personalized content bringing That's the right. user back in Pinterest. That's right. User engagement and retention is a crucial but least understood aspect of a growing a successful business. We are here to change that. Hi, this is Ankur. Join me as I dive into conversation with the best and brightest minds in user engagement to help you navigate the why, what and how of this subject. Hi everyone. Welcome to yet another session for the State of Retention Marketing. Today we have Abhisha with us who leads growth for uh, the Jupiter Neobank business from what I understand. It's great to have her here, been a growth professional for some time now and one of the most nuanced uh, practitioners of the subject. She's uh, made an 85 slide deck on how the whole framework of retention has to be approached, which I just got a chance to see a day before yesterday. So very impressed with the whole thought process. Thank you so much, Abhishek, for doing this. Thanks, Ankur. Awesome. Sulam, you know, the usual routine, what we'd love to get started off with is a bit of your journey as to how you are here. Growth as a subject is still relatively new. Yeah. So, you know, so yeah. tell us a little bit about your journey till this point. Sure. Um, so I think uh, the good part about me transitioning to growth space was that I started off my journey as an entrepreneur. So by the virtue of you being an entrepreneur, the default mindset becomes growth, right? Sure. So it has to start with the mindset. And uh, with the first stint, um, uh, I, I, dwelled, I looked at the entire business overall and I, I understood different nuances of growth. Uh, but the turning point for me with respect to understanding product-led growth and especially the tech ecosystem happened when I joined, let's say, Trell, which was back in 2020, 2020, is when I, when I started looking growth from a different mindset altogether. And within this, uh, I started off with sort of understanding what growth really is to start off with, right? Sure. So, um, growth is 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 not really a general term now. It's a fairly nuanced term, and it's a fairly technical space now, right? So, um, uh, it's not just about acquiring a user, right? It's also about let's say when the user comes to the platform for the value that you have promised that user, right? Are you delivering that pro promise to that user or no? Sure. As soon as they come to the platform, right? Once you've realized that value, are you making him realize that value again and again to build that habit, right? Mm -hmm. And once that, the, that, that habit has been built, are you sort of thinking around the revenue angle to it? Are, mm -hmm. are you able to monetize that user? Mm -hmm. Finally, is that user also able to get you more users, right? And such and such. So there are, there's a very detailed outlook to thinking about growth. Sure. And in fact, my, my journey started with, first of all, reading a lot around growth space in general. That's sure. that's. I, I had to go to the so basics. So what you're going to get today is yeah. a lot of crystallized knowledge from a lot of conversations yeah. and uh, studies that she's done here. Right, right. So that, that was my first attempt to, first of all, identify who were the growth experts in the market. Right from, let's say, reading one of the famous books in Growth, Growth Hacker or Sean Alice to, let's say, reading the book Hooked by Neer IL to, let's say, going to a platform like Reforge and trying to understand from best in the ecosystem as to how growth is seen. Uh, that was my first attempt and I think once I sort of learned that then the immediate thing was to start implementing it in my stints that I've had so far first at Trell and now at Jupiter and in fact I've seen that growth 
typically again it's not like not like a copy paste mechanism that you learn that hey this is how yeah. you approach growth and then you just copy paste it it changes a lot of context it changes with who your user is what they're trying to come for to your platform to solve hmm. um right what is their expectation with with your platform is your platform um from a user mindset point of view is it like a candy offering or is it like a painkiller right it is a huge sure. spectrum of That's how the user listening the vc language speaking but yeah <laughs> right right so understanding all of those nuances and sort of trying to understand what is relevant from a user point of view mm. uh and i think as we go on in this discuss this discussion would we'll, would we'll try and touch as much as i can in the in these nuances and sort of try and unlock how growth can be perceived of course So you know, growth can be a fairly confused and mixed term as well. Yes. And I think the yes. simple way to drill that a little deeper would probably be how teams are organized and how That's boundaries right. are drawn and how okay. do you make handshake points. Sure. So could you tell us a little bit about how you structured this? Yeah. Uh, that's in fact a really good question and an important question. Now, right now, a growth team is not, let's say, just growth managers trying to chase certain metrics and uh, trying to sort of solve for growth of the company. It's not at all like that. in an ideal scenario it's more like a cross functional pod sure when it comes to a cross functional pod we have uh, folks from different domains working together as one single unit absolutely of course it starts with marketing when it comes to the uh, marketers being a part of the team then we have product folks being a part of the team we mm. have analytics which supports with a lot of insights on users which sort of becomes the fuel for a lot of experimentation that mm. we do as a part of the growth mm. team we have dedicated engineering as well right that's okay. a very it's, it's an important call out if you have dedicated engineering as a part of the growth team is on front end back end both uh depends upon the nature of expense that you want to sure. drive but uh that will decide what kind of engineers you'd want to have on the team but yes engineers and also let's say user experience um uh, representatives right sure. designers etc but this is like a pod with a bunch of dedicated resources or these people organizationally structured elsewhere but yeah. then they also yeah. assist yeah. the growth pod so i think different organizations adopt different mechanism let's talk Some, about uh, you know how you would design it right. or how you've currently designed it sure. what's your transition journey so we operate more in the matrix format wherein these team members continue to operate in their own individual sure. verticals but mm. we to come together as a pod right mm. and this becomes a growth pod which is responsible for different Uh, metrics at given point in time. For sure. example, right now we're trying to chase retention for our platform here at Jupiter. So I think that becomes the high-level objective for our team to solve, mm. and all of us know that we're trying to solve for that metric. Fair enough. And this vertical uh, function also helps that they continue to also grow in their respective domains. Let's say the marketing person should mm. know the nuances of marketing, mm. product mm. person mm. should know the nuances of uh, product, mm. of product, and so on and so forth. But together, we are trying to just solve for the same problem statement. And you consciously choose one problem at a time, or is this like this is a large enough topic? to stay on the top of your attention for some time yeah, to come yeah yeah that's again uh, a very interesting question so when it comes to growth uh, and uh, it's very important to first of all understand what metric you are trying to chase right and uh, let's say in, in our case retention being one of the core uh, focus hmm. areas now before i even start to work on that problem statement i need to understand uh, probably go back a little go back a little and sort of get to the basics of understanding uh, what retention is right and what sure. defines my retention hmm. and in fact it has to start from the very basic of who my user is and what i'm trying to solve for as sure. a user once i have let's say some clarity around who my user is what problem i'm trying to solve and how differently i'm trying to solve for that on my platform hmm. that defines my core value sure once i've defined this core value i have to sort of translate it into a retention metric sure. right once let's say uh, translate into a retention metric then i go back to my strategy building right Fair enough and from a strategy building perspective also uh, one thing we are talking about retention 
but attention is actually an output metric it's not an input metric Fair. so that means it will have multiple input metrics I, i'm pretty sure you can all notice the whole academic and rigorous yeah. uh, approach to this whole thing but go on i'm enjoying this yeah so now when it comes to even retention as an output metric what would be their input metrics sure within just briefly touching that there there's again like there's a, lot a lot of depth to, to it yeah. but let's say within retention you have three basic pillars one is of course activation of a user then is build, building engagement for the user and then building res- resurrection so now coming back to your question right how do we start now mm. to solve for retention these are my three basic pillars and amongst all of these pillars i will have multiple opportunities right so we have the growth pod which has multiple people you yeah. figured your value proposition to uh, let's say make the aha moment in the first experience of the user then the value for him to keep coming back in some sense yeah. and you have yeah. a bunch of let's say hypotheses around this yes and this team now gets together to have a data oriented approach on how to uh let's say tweak or push levers on the user behavior that's right so uh, so once i have designed my define my verticals yeah. within those verticals i will have different problem statements it's important for me to size those problem statements and and try to understand the impact of it sure so, so for example putting in efforts in the wrong yeah cases. so let's okay. say for example if i know activation as a as a problem statement mm. which is basically getting my user to experience the aha moment for the first mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and then getting them to a state that they have formed a habit around my core values that sure. is entire process of activation you know so finally this came up in another conversation which i was having with karan from kish the okay. uh, the folks who were running pay with ring okay. as an application so they are a loan business and their entire story at this point as a company is boiled down to saying that how many people can be moved from the first loan to the second loan because yeah, that's kind yeah, of where yeah. the sleep has dropped for them Correct. is If you've gotten, let's say, X more people here, automatically the downstream funnel start to take care yeah, of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So right. as a team, uh, the way they structure and the way they've organized priorities is more around one to two. Yeah. What you're telling me is, uh, I mean, in their case, obviously it's also it's a it's a consequence of a bunch of research topics. In your case, we've done a lot of homework on which are the high impact areas for us to yeah. kind of push towards. Correct. And uh, so, what are the things that emerged as possible? Uh, growth levers so to speak so let's say if if i were to talk about activation in particular yeah. right now within activation also in fact that's that's again my nuanced learning around activation now it's not just about a aha moment sure and in fact let me pick up one of the very interesting uh, interesting studies that i think everybody in the growth system is aware of how let's say chamath who is one of the first right. growth heads of facebook yeah. evangelized you uh, to the a metric of getting a user to seven friends in 10 days sure. right now getting that's the so called aha moment which will switch or yeah. activate so that, that that's an interesting mm. point that it's not mm. an aha moment okay it's actually basically a setup moment huh. wherein a user is forming seven friends in 10 days to get an engaged feed fair enough right so you get to a point where you have formed enough connections that your your feed starts to become engaging and, and when you this engage this is what we call activation this is what we call setup moment Okay, what was activation there? So within activation, you have three okay. uh, verticals. One is setup, then second is aha moment, and third mm-hmm. is habit. Okay, so, so fact, that's all part of activation for you. We will yeah, not consider yeah. the user activated unless he reaches the habit stage. Correct, correct, wow, correct. Okay. So because if you just get to the user to an aha moment, and then you leave your journey, that means yeah. you have you have literally like you have sure. gone to the cliff, right? And the user so, can tip off from there. Fair. In the consumer space, we normally call this the glue frequency. Once you place four orders, your repeat rates are at eighty percent. Yeah. Is yeah. this how this is also derived for you? That once the user has gotten a habit formed in in your definition, his uh, re-engagement with the platform will be at above, let's say, seventy eighty percent. Yeah. So um, again, when it comes to activation, and I'll try and and put, place it how is it different of engagement? Sure. So activation is getting the user to form a habit. It's a zero to one journey in some sense. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. From a new user to having 
the first aha moment and then the setup moment first the yes. aha moment next in the habit part so next, next to the habit yeah, yeah. so how do you place that habit loop that let's say in case of let's say let's pick up example of instagram or of pinterest sure. right whenever the user gets bored as and that comes a trigger for the user they by default should open let's say an instagram or a pinterest to engage themselves sure. right how do you get to that stage of forming that habit which is not just not just happen the first time but keeps happening for certain number of times where you are confident that the user has formed habit around it sure so that's where your activation actually so it's a like product centric approach in fact uh, you know for apps for bharat that yeah. prashant is now building what they're doing is if you set up three gods and offered class five times and gotten these five things you yeah. considered activated yeah. yeah in some sense a so very similar uh, thought process on getting the user from the first time he's come to the application to a certain set of things you know I, i'm going to ask you a bit of a tangential question now uh, you have all of this acquisition efforts going on you have people installing the app at all yes, times right yes. and you uh, associate a cost per install to these topics that's right now yes. uh, that also translates into cost of activated customer cost of customer acquisition that's right. yes are you saying that you will only count the activated customers as acquired customers and then the cost would be measured against that or this is still a cpi ecosystem and it's like yeah, it's too yeah. messy to do more than right, that right right no, so so definitely we have moved far beyond cpi sure. right uh, and uh, we have not we don't attribute to activated as of yet but we definitely sure. have defined certain critical events for a user mm. to perform basis which we consider that the user has shown intent to engage with the platform sure and basis that metric that we have defined we we calculate our cac huh. right but we continue to measure our cac to ltv ratio sure and that's so how that's you optimize it the, the yes. ntv said is downstream you know so what i was trying to understand uh, was uh, do you optimize campaigns purely on the cpi now on the acquisition side or are you also now saying that okay if this guy has not done these three things i don't necessarily yeah, uh, yeah, value yeah. the low cpi i outcome, think that right? that would be an ideal way to approach it when you look at it cost per activated or even cost per retained user the eventual perfect state would be that yeah yeah hmm. but right now we try we have identified certain critical events sure basis which we say that it's not just installed but the users to get to at least this Correct. stage when i consider it to be uh, acquired user so called metric on user quality that will get fed back to the acquisition team in some sense that's right so if you're getting right. x number of users and even 5% of them are not getting to this point yeah. you're getting bad yeah. users yeah. in effect yeah. so switch your yeah. things on yeah. that side in fact Fresh. on acquisition side of things we work very closely with the growth team and the product team for that huh. matter at constant uh, uh, feedback around what is the quality of the user sure. in terms of they getting to those critical events hmm. that's one as well as we do very detailed user profiling on mm. various metrics for example median net worth being one of the important sure. metrics that we would track huh. from a banking perspective Fair. right i'm going to get to the banking side of it it's the last part of my conversation so we'll dig deeper yeah there. yeah yeah so those feedback are constantly passed to the marketing team and mm. they sort of uh, optimize for it this is very interesting because you know one of the things uh, which is not very common it, it is i've seen this happen in the gaming industry where the roi on acquiring a set of users is measured by the amount of money spent on the game in the next multiple months but on the other side in the consumer space we've not seen people become very cognizant of the repeat rates or the reorder rates when yeah. they are measuring cac first yeah. transaction done cac over topic close yeah yeah but that's not enough because 70% of these people will not make a second transaction yeah. so the whole yeah. understanding of how to you know even measure numbers and assign performance goals it's a little messy on the consumer uh, e-commerce side of things yeah, yeah. it seems to be slightly better sorted to the product side of things is in your ecosystem so now uh, you have your activation steps which is the step 1 setup uh, aha habit Yes. All sorted, yes. and you have a funnel of users who will go at each of these stages. 
you know, in terms of the engagement and nudges side of things that get involved at this stage, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, from getting the user from zero to one, as, yes. as you would call it, or zero to habit, as you would yeah, call it. Yeah. What is the structure, process, system? How do you design those? Yeah, how do you make yeah. them happen? In fact, engagement is in itself a very detailed piece. Of course. So when it comes to activation, I spoke about the user getting to setup moment, huh. then getting to some aha moments, and then forming a habit. Sure. And these are all data-driven processes where you can define what that metric would qualify mm. as each of mm. these, mm. and there are ways to sort of do it. Now, once you have gotten the user to a habit moment, hmm. that's when you start building their engagement story. Sure. Now, within, so you're saying that is there an intervention from an engagement mechanism at the zero to stage stage? Because the guy is probably installed the application, didn't even open it for the next two days. Yeah, yeah. So what and how would you approach this yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. zero to one journey? Sure. That's what I would love to sure. zoom into first. Okay. We'll get to the one onwards after this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood. Understood. So in fact, that's also very now that I I know where my user, what my user journey should ideally look like on the platform hmm. from hmm. the way that I defined. Huh. I know that if the user is not taking those actions, that that requires an intervention. Right? Sure. Now, from an intervention standpoint, there can be two ways to look at it. One is a user is visiting the app, right? Is if the user is inside my ecosystem, then I I have my ways to sort of, uh, by the virtue of product interventions or product nudges, take them or nudge them towards those journeys. That is one way to look at it. The other way is completely off app. Let's say huh. like like in your Before case, the user has not in. come huh. at all, has installed, sure. and has not come at all, huh. right? That's when I start to sort of look at what could be the possible trigger that I need to sort of create for this user. In that trigger, what I need to, what hook I need to create, sure. right? And once I've created that hook, then what, where I'm landing the user, and what mm. action that I'm expected, expecting mm. to take. Let me give you an example of, let's say, Pinterest, right? Sure. Let's say the user has installed the app, and maybe in the onboarding journey, they also take interest of the user, right? He took some interest, but then forgot about the app, sure. right? The immediate nudge going out should be that, hey, you selected. Home decor and art and craft and uh, few other things. Le here's an interesting uh, set of content for you. Sure. Right, becomes an interesting hook from a user perspective. Absolutely. Right? Instead of hey, did you forget us? Come to the app. So that's you personalizing the content basis the data that the user gave you in yes. that context. Yes. And the user is not engaged. Uh, that. The time duration between the install and the uh, next engagement, if it crosses over to let's say yes. three days, whatever X time frame, yeah. then there's a triggered communication with personalized content bringing That's the right. user back in Pinterest. That's right. Would you be able to tell us a little bit more about how you do this at Jupiter? Yeah, of course. So let's say in case of Jupiter, right? Again, similar to Pinterest, sure. we have defined our own setup moments. Hmm. First few things that we want the user to do when they come on the platform, let's say one of the first things being that they should fund the account, right? And sure. put place some money so that they so start to... So there's a KYC wala part also before this, no? Yeah, so and KYC... there is leakage to be solved things there. Also. Right, right, right. So there is there's a KYC... That, that's more part, part of an onboarding journey. Okay. I'm I'm right now talking about when the user has completed huh. their onboarding, onboarding journey kibar. to let's say created an account successfully, right? Okay. Once they've created their account successfully, then how do I start engaging them? Sure. Now from an engagement standpoint, I would want the... I would want the user to first fund their account, sure. right? Or at least come and check out my app to find use cases for themselves. Sure. It could be later on UPI, it could be on debit card, for example, right? So my first nudge would be to let this user place some money in the account, right? And then start to transact. And when the moment, uh, when the user starts to transact is when I, I have sort of different aha moments for them. Mm -hmm. So as in when I see, de depending upon how I lay down my journey, that within let's say seven, within seven days, I expect them to do ABC mm -hmm. uh, actions. Mm -hmm. Seven to 15 days, I, I expect them to do ABC actions. And I don't see that happening. That sort of, uh, uh, then so it requires... Because of engagement nudges. Yes, yes. So mm -hmm. based on both actions and inactions, maybe the user came and did not really see the value within the platform which I had promised. It mm. makes sense for me that the user did open the app, but did not, let's say, find enough value. So it makes makes sense for me to sort of 
remind him of the value of yeah, because when you talk at the level of scale at which you're operating yeah. uh, it can get quite subjective and hard to interpret with the the whole value prop assessment and whether these are good or not so i came in uh, you don't know why i came in because i don't know if the search keyword information and all of that is available at this stage yes. to kind of say yes. okay this is the value he sought uh, when he was coming in so Correct. the moment he's in uh, he's onboarding itself as a funnel so if you have x number of installs the number of people will get onboarded yes. is why there is yeah. a drop off in between yeah. and there are interventions are mostly standardized but there are still interventions needed to make that yes. uh, onboarding happen completely yeah. now once you've onboarded and this gets more real with the banking equation you look okay, what are the 10 things that this guy should do for this to become let's say a setup situation complete okay money loaded means setup done or whatever those three yeah. or four things money yeah. loaded uh, maybe a bill payment uh, configured setup yes. done now uh, payment made or accounts added of pays of five people is maybe my next step maybe i made a payment using the application yeah. that was my half of it so one of those so i'm trying to understand that you know how do you define the user journey at this point in terms of what are the different things maybe you know uh, the more specific in talk about the new banking context the, the better it gets because then that's where the specifics correct become interesting correct so correct so would love to tell thee yeah so in fact uh, uh, i like how you started off with what is the value prop for the user and in the banking ecosystem huh. there multi there could be multiple Absolutely. value props it could be as simple as hey i just want a savings account right or it could be hey i want to explore a lending products or i want to let's say user investment and so on mm. and so forth right and the user could be coming with different intent like you rightly said a lot of times the marketing tools or rather uh, like a facebook or google doesn't really help us pass on that data to the ecosystem that's a problem that we are all trying to solve for <laughs> sure. but while we solve for it there are there can be multiple ways to look at it mm. one is the signal that the user is providing when they come inside the app sure. right so let's say if the user has a very strong intent to explore investment for example they might show that within the first few days itself they've they've gone and explored that that ecosystem so i'm going to push you into saying that he clicked this and he clicked that because yeah. that's as real as it gets in terms yeah. of translating this correct. you know conceptual understanding to a yes. very uh, you know trackable actionable correct kind of correct so one is these actions when they yeah. actually go and click let's say an investment and they start to explore the mutual funds listed out there sure. right but let's say did not take an action huh. but it's still a signal for me that maybe he has an intent to explore investment or let's say could be that i have done various kinds of behavioral modeling wherein i have understood that de- depending on how my previous users have performed i could cluster those users hmm. and based on the clustering that i have done this is very interesting <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's a fairly mature thing to do but we still talk about your zero to one play and you yeah. i mean uh, maybe i should take a step back and understand how your practice has evolved in the last one and a half two years because yeah. this the moment you talk about data clustering and modeling yeah. it's not something we something that somebody would do on day zero you don't even have data to process right. with right so i'm talking about let's say once i have done clustering of my previous users Correct. and i can attribute the user on day 1 on. yeah yeah so we yeah, have yeah. close to of almost now you do. 2 million users yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah going back to the question of when the user has um uh, you are in a 0 to 1 stage and yeah. you do not have enough users i understand that sure. that problem statement the simplest thing to do could be in the onboarding journey itself if you can take the intent of the user that's the simplest thing which is thing basically figure out what he's clicking and what he's spending time yeah, on yeah. in some that sense that is that is one yeah. wherein based on action that the user is performing you are yeah. you are sort of uh, deriving it the other one is the onboarding journey itself you take the intent of amongst the 10 products that i'm offering or 10 features that i'm offering to you which amongst them explicit are the most interesting question. to you explicit okay right? that's kind of how pinterest asks for the interest subjects so L- yeah right. you could do that and that will give you very structured user attribute information yeah, in your yeah, system yeah. now work upon right okay? so in fact that helps us in a lot of sense given that on day one i'm not suddenly bombarding the user with 10 features absolutely he chose something he wanted and that's yeah, what you offer correct correct and that's i start off with those three four things so i mean in effect on a starting stage you might as well explicitly ask the user what he wants and then navigate the downstream uh, journey in yeah. that direction itself yeah. and it, it's perfectly okay to do this okay super so now we have uh, 
the guy who's been onboarded and now he has a bunch of let's say clicks and behaviors yeah. this is your prior users you understand that this kind of click behavior would lead into this kind of behavior which is either desirable or undesirable and hmm. you want to make hmm. interventions let's Correct. go into this part yeah so now with respect to the intervention that we could plan um like i said so in fact uh, when it comes to interventions if we can break it down into let's say four buckets one okay. of course is product second is notifications second is incentives and okay. third one is of course people right your customer support mm. team and mm. so on and so mm. forth so let's start with each one of them okay so let's say let's start with product now when the user is inside the product ecosystem and just just picking up to a previous conversation mm. we've identified the user's intent that amongst 10 things that you're offering he's interested in three or four for example sure. right so on your day one your experience has to sort of meet those three four things and not 10 things right now if yeah. i'm i don't know the name the bank but it always shows me those exact same 10 options at all times whether i yeah. pick the first one second one third one right what you're saying is in your case you're able to now uh, reduce the number of options the user sees because you know that this guy is likely more interested in this correct uh, if, if not reduce at least sort them a little differently yes. that's yes. kind of where a bit of personalization on yes. user experience on the app itself correct. comes in okay correct so that that's one hmm. now second is once that you've created a landing experience then you know what actions potentially this user should take so that they start uh, getting closer to the aha moment sure. habit moment and so on that's and so forth that's why steering and nudging gets involved and that's when you nudging gets involved so yeah. it can start off with let's say showing them how to do it let's say uh, highlighting the bank transfer for example right sure. it has to start with the discovery of that hey there's a bank transfer feature mm-hmm. on the platform mm-hmm. so in the entire context of the app can you highlight that piece and sort of get the user to start engaging with let's that let's go with one example here mm. uh, let's say the guy was interested in investments and he went through the mutual fund sure. options okay. and then we delve deeper into his own journey yes. as to how would you steer him towards a perfect behavior you wanted him to load the money he's done that now and now he's explored mutual funds and now you want him to maybe invest in a couple of them sure. through your platform sure so how does it whole play out now so i think in this case what we could do is uh, maybe take, can we take some other example Absolutely. but let's say let's talk about building Transfers. the user bank transfer example perfect. right now within the entire jupiter app ecosystem on the landing page you have a bunch of things but there the bank transfer sits in the payment step payment step one level below one level below okay. right so on the home page itself i have to sort of ensure that i'm creating an entry nudge for the user to explore bank transfer sure. that is one way to look at it huh. the other way is bank transfer is also present in a different let's say page which is let's say payments right As when the user organically goes to the payments page mm. i should show that nudge around around bank transfer sure when let's say the user enters into the bank bank transfer flow there are certain steps the user is expected to do now most importantly i need not be too intrusive as well right sure. let's say i can let the user explore that flow by themselves if he's not struggling you would not yeah if he's her. not struggling or she's not struggling then i would sort of not keep it more more intrusive because that also mm. leads to a bad user experience right but let's say if i feel that the it it's been certain time the user came in and did not let's say perform that action hmm. then i might want to do some interventions sure. right the, so that that is one way to look it at it you should be very inspired by how you'll draw out a funnel in a product analytics tool and understand that okay this point to this point the drop off is so much the average session time is this much now it's exceeded average session yes. time yes. time for nudge correct yeah? correct so that that's more from a product lens huh. right and it can get to the extent of am i just uh, letting them uh am i just suggesting them that you should do it or am i giving them a particular use case or guiding them how to use this tool for example in case of sure. bank transfer i could this say that this is purely a content topic right what would be your nudge textually yes. contained yes. essentially yes yes huh. because that has that has also has to marry meaningful with delta. Hmm. correct it it also brings meaningful delta and it has to let's say also marry with the intent of the user correct. right 
So that's one way to look at it when, when we mm -hmm. look at product interventions. Sure. Second one is notifications, right? Which is enough, not enough, the ones that you will send on the device. Yes, uh, yes. To could bring be like push notifications, could be let's say emailers, etc. So multiple channels at play depending on what the user is responding well. Correct, to. correct. Uh, that's triggered at the right time uh, in some sense because if the user came to the bank transfer page but add, did not add a pay yes, or whatever, yes. then you know that this is a leakage in the funnel at this point. You knew do some right. sort of a notification around that's that. That's right. So there was in-app experiential elements where I'm here right now and mm -hmm. there's a certain nudge that's happening because you know that the previous users who've uh, come here have spent only 30 seconds to get to this point, but now this guy's been here for 45 yeah, seconds. Yeah. So something must happen. Correct. And you would do this for the most high impact place because obviously different parts of the funnel, there's different quantum of users right. and the delta would be Correct. a little different. Correct. Okay? So your uh, part one was product experience inside of things. Part two was the notification uh, notification side of things. Right, right. There were two more pieces that you mentioned. Yeah, here. third of course is incentive, right? Mm. But I, I highly suggest to use incentive very carefully, right? <laughs> By the <laughs> virtue that you would want the user to perform a action and giving them an incentive. Of course, if you give incentive to any user, they would end up performing that action, right? But it's important to sort of before you get into that lever gauge that would a user naturally perform that action. Let's say bank transfer is still, let's say, uh, maybe a maybe a second degree of action that the user may perform on Jupiter. But let's say UPI transaction, hmm. the, one of the first few things that they would end up doing on the platform. It may not make a lot of sense for me to incentivize that action, right? So gauging what actions to be incentivized, that's the second piece to it. And the third piece is, of course, people. And I think in hmm. case of people... So let's delve into the incentive a little sure. more, okay? Yeah. Because it's it's a very interesting subject. A lot of people have tried to drive behavior change using incentives. Yeah, yeah. And it's usually been a blunt instrument. Give this discount to everybody, irrespective of where they come from, whether they're yeah. anywhere going to make that transaction. So, you know, in a quick commerce scenario, if at 7 a.m. I'm ordering a, you know, box of bread, a pack of bread, I would have ordered even if you didn't give me that 10 rupees off. That's right. So are you saying that you're going to be very cautious about how do you offer incentives for behavior and you're not like a one-size-fits-all blunt yes. incentive to aggressively grow that yes. particular change? Yes, yes, so that's a more calibrated mode. Right. In fact, I've, I've had some discussions with uh, uh, some, of, some of the other growth folks in the mm. industry and I think people have gone to the depth of, let's say, again, uh, building clusters of users sure. and sort of predicting that each cluster of user, mm -hmm. what is the potential ATV that I could derive from right. them or lifetime value I can derive from yeah. them. And if they see the value that this particular user base, if given an incentive, it increases increases the LTV by let's say X percentage, sure. only then that the offer is sort of given out to well, them. Of course, so the LTV can become a topic of how you measure this whole thing, but yes. at a very simple level. You know, so one of the examples I saw is, if you go to a Starbucks, they have yeah. this uh, app, of course, and they also have this MasterCard little table standy now, which is uh, if you tap and pay, you get 100 rupees off. Mm -hmm. Now, my hunch is they want a lot more people to try tap and pay for the first time. Yeah. If they experience it, they'll feel happy about it. And yes. next time, they will not yes. get an incentive. Yes, this. that's right. To use incentives to change behavior, which is very quickly a good moment, but then the incentive can be weaned off. Correct. If they have to keep giving me those 100 rupees to keep tapping my card, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But if they can yeah. just show it to me once and then it's withdrawn, I'll still continue to tap my card. That's right. Is the right way to structure incentives. Yeah, you're right. yeah. exactly right. Uh, that if on, the, on giving an incentive, we are trying to change a behavior, but is that behavior sustainable, right? Without the incentive. Without the incentive. Hmm. And tap and pay is like a classic example. In fact, that, that's one discussion that we have had internally as well, sure. right? You paying uh, via UPI versus, versus tap and pay. Right. right. Everybody has adopted UPI, but, but I have come across a certain set of users 
who still feel between UPI and, and tap and pay. Tap and pay is a more seamless Slightly experience. Slightly more seamless. Yeah, sure. They just have to I'm pull their card. Yeah, and, and it just gets through. Hmm. So I, I don't think, have to enter password twice. I don't have to open Google Pay or correct, whatever apps. Correct, right? correct. And in this case, we were consciously trying to change a habit of a user. Hmm. And maybe the user may, may not have done tap and pay without that incentive. Sure. Maybe given that incentive, sort of made them do that experience. At least once. And then they had that R moment to sustain that. Correct. Right? So in your case, you'll define a set of experiences that you want the user to go through. Yes. And that would kind of make the habit sustain uh, even if the incentives are withdrawn yes. in some sense. Yes, yes, And is there a, you know, you mentioned this whole clustering thing telling you about the propensity of the user to make that action even without the incentive or yes. a varying level of incentives. Yes. So how mature is this and is this driven by data in terms of past transactions? How does this whole thing play out? So I think we are still in our early stages of it. Sure. To a fair extent, we have been able to define, let's say, actions which do not require incentivization. Mm. Uh, that is why. To anybody. To anybody. Because incentivization is also going to be right. a you know, topic as to customer clusters that you're dealing with. Correct, correct, correct. So, for example, a, a hygiene action of user funding the account, right? Mm. That's my first action that, that, that I want my user to do. I can't incentivize my user to fund the account, for example, I don't right? Know, maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you'll have to let data decide some yes, sense. Yes. But I mean, in some, what I've learned uh, is heuristics can play a very I mean, assuming your target audience is thinking and behaving similarly to you, then it's okay to apply heuristics there. But in a lot of scenarios, if you're expanding at a certain pace, you have 2 million users now. Yes. And the new bunch of people you're acquiring are probably kids from Jaipur, for all I care. I mean, 21-year-olds yes. from Jaipur. Yes. They might just choose to fund the account if you give them, a, you know, 100 rupees extra in their account or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, guess here. So, how yeah. do you solve for this? I'm glad you brought this up. And I think the right lens to look at this, hmm. who is my actual customer? Sure. Right? Is, ICT, that that, is there a definition put to yeah, it? Yeah, so the, we, we are basically, let's say our, our core ICP is a salaried individual earning an X amount of money. So in that's a, the guy you optimize for everyone else. Correct, can correct. Can be left aside. Okay. Yes, yes. So, so uh, who is our ICP, right? Now, mm -hmm. if this student is sitting in Jaipur, of you course, when incentivized, yeah, would Fair. end up doing a couple mm -hmm. of actions, right? Which but, is a you know, very interesting choice made, right? Because you've defined boundaries that I care about this user. I'm not going to try and hack my growth by getting yes. all those kids from Jaipur by giving them 100 right. rupees to fund because their Because it's account. not sustainable. So oh, they absolutely. would end up coming, right? But what is the LTV that I could draw from a student? You know, so what's fun is now for me, Abhisha, uh, the fact that you're using the word sustainable, is that uh, been a language that the company has always spoken? Or is this a recent understanding thanks to the ecosystem, the way it's playing out? Because it makes a lot of difference on how you approach growth, right? Yeah, at, the, yeah. at the core level. So I think uh, we're we're right now talking about a lot of technical things around growth. I agree, but but let me take even a step back. Thirty thousand yeah. feet level. All at a thirty thousand feet level, I'm very happy that our founder Jitendra Gupta has sort of made it very clear he's from seasoned. day one. He knows he's a seasoned individual, of course, yes. and he knows that we are building a company for long term. Sure. Right? And that's one of the discussions we have had multiple times internally. Hmm. When we speak to him, he makes us realize that how a ten year, uh, wow. you know, the view will look like, and it is always from that thought process. Hmm. Honestly, I've never seen him even hassled when things go wrong in a day or, or, or you know, Doesn't at matter. a daily, weekly or monthly level. Doesn't wow. matter. But what matters to him is, are we doing the right things which will mm. compound to become what we want to become in the no, next 10 years. It's very interesting so. because fundamentally, if it's being driven top-down, long-haul, built sensibly, built yeah. sustainably, the business looks very different. It looks right? very different. In some sense, yes. you're not making all those uh, growth hacks, so to speak, yes. that most people are now yes. using uh, to kind of shoot up numbers in a very, very uh, speedy fashion, not yes. necessarily the most sensible fashion. I'm yeah. so glad it's kind of driven top down yeah. its uh, mandate. And what's also interesting is he's able to find a team which aligns with its thought That's process. Right. Because a lot of people kind of index as a growth manager. If you did not drive 10x growth in one year, then you've been like ineffective in some yeah. sense. Yeah. But I can see that you're fairly aligned with the yeah. long-term play and Correct. not 
you know, take those random shortcuts. Right, right. So sooner or later, that will come back to bite. So if you were to get all those kids from Jaipur to, you know, put 100 rupees in their account as an incentive, that may not necessarily last. They will probably install and eventually uninstall yes. because somebody else will do the same thing. Correct. Okay, correct. awesome. So, you know, the ICP definition and within this, are there personas or uh, things that you've yet zoomed into or is this still... It's, it's, it's still a, a work in progress for us. Sure. Uh, but let's say that's definitely the direction you want to go to. Mm -hmm. We have different, like I said, value props on Jupiter, right? Huh. Some people can just come from for, for investment as a use case. There is, let's say, uh, saving instruments on the platform. Some people can just come with a spender, uh, with a saver's mindset that, hey, sure. I want to just uh, uh, save on the platform. Interestingly, we have very good value props around even sorting your salary sure. by the virtue of you creating pots for different use cases. Mm -hmm. Somebody could just see value in that. We have so a from very a brand and customer promise point of view. It's still a set of messaging hooks that you're experimenting with. Some yeah. of them stick with users, and then they get a conversion path downstream. Correct, correct. And that's what's currently driving your current growth. Now, of course, it'll start to gravitate towards a few specific things that you'll discover yes, with time. Yes, yes. But with uh, early mm -hmm. on, we're able to pick up those signals of whether right. it is engaging, right? Huh. And based on those signals, then we start to draw. So their your path. job basically starts once the user's in the app, and now let's play with what he really yes. wants to do, and how yes. do we make sure that the journey is the most efficient? Correct. You know, so on that and, note, uh, I'll, uh, I should add, yeah. add one more point, Ankur. One is this data, but we cannot go just blind on data. We have to also talk to the users to be able to understand. Sure why they're using the platform. Hmm. So let's say one of the categorical thing that keeps coming out in a discussion with user is that we offer this feature called spend tracker sure. where you're able to track your spends, right? So that has come out in so many conversations. So dude, such a serious pain <laughs> point to analyze your credit card spends even today. Yes. I mean, there's just PDF statements, you can't make sense of them and you can't analyze them over a month. That's or right. Or a month, multiple That's months, right. but fair. And in fact, uh, just on that insight, you were able to double down and in fact, there was an insight around how this feature can expand to even their other bank accounts. So, sure. user definitely has accounts beyond Jupiter as well. Even right? credit cards. Yes, of course. So, let's say, and and, and we uh, introduced that how you would be able to track your spends on other bank accounts as well. Mm. And in fact, we saw a, a tremendous Massive uptick of it sure. in the last quarter. So, I think uh, we can't just go blind around data. Of course. That so, there'll be informs... user hooks that you'll discover. But tell me something, uh, structurally, uh, mm -hmm. how do you have these user conversations? Who does it? How does the insight come in? How does it get systematically absorbed and get into the yeah. broad roadmap? Because as you grow and you're probably a large enough team now, these things tend to get a little lost in the translation, right? Somebody who's reading this and somebody who's designing product strategy may not necessarily yeah. be yeah. Uh, able right, to right. connect. So this this is my personal thought process around it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think in Jupiter we are still growing sure. as a as a team, and in fact one other team that we are carving out is around user user uh, okay. uh, research. Um, mm. And as and when the team forms, I think they will take the charge of uh, sort of taking care of this problem statement, and I'm sure they'll put together a metho methodical Fair approach, enough. right? So you know the only thing I would want to clarify here is the emphasis that again comes from a bit of the top. Because a lot of people, when they want to do this, they'll put small junior time interns on the job ha, to absorb this. Right. But I mean, how can you expect that guy to exactly. derive the kind of insight right. needed? Right. So that is definitely one of our important ha. focus area. We want to build a strong team around it. Sure. But having said that, I sincerely, um, um, I sincerely sort of request uh, the entire team that I work with and even me included. I definitely follow cadence of picking up the phone and, and talk to users on a regular basis. So that's your, uh, let's say, you know, direct access to direct user yes, feedback. Yes. It might or might not be always immediately actionable, but it keeps you closer to the user in some sense. Right. Fair enough. Right. So, so for example, leader, we were that's something you recommend, to, right? Yeah, definitely. So in fact, uh, often we were trying to solve for growth problem statement around debit card. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to understand what is user's behavior around debit cards or, or making transactions in sure. general. And one of the insights that came out talking to some of the users were that they become so smart 
that along with certain let's say categories let's say for groceries for for travel etc they've identified which card offers what kind of offers and they've literally mapped those cards wow. to that use case right but do you see that as a very common uh, audience because these are very quickly going to branch out into several niches and audience segments which have very different behaviors and needs yeah, and yeah, yeah, uh, yes. mindsets right so one is that we cannot approach the blind approach of hey my user is not smart right sure. so they're definitely becoming more savvy around tech most okay, importantly so. becoming more and more aware by the virtue of everything of course, coming on their mobile absolute. phone right hmm. and in fact i still remember this one conversation this guy tells me that he has a credit card and he has a debit card and on certain transaction he sees that this debit card gives him higher number of rewards and hence he tends to use the debit card more than the credit card hmm. right uh, now internally we can just sit in a room and talk about hey credit cards give give so many offers and by the virtue of those offers people would adopt a credit card but that's not the case the, sure. the person who's finally using it is actually evaluating where he gets more rewards fair enough so i think picking up those so, calls I'm is important i'm now zooming into the parts so we've done the onboarding and the setup and the uh, you know the first part of it which is considered activated yeah. and that's where the fun part of it starts right yeah. now you have let's say a million or two users yes. and who have yes. been activated who have probably loaded money into their account done some bunch of things yes. and now there's a user journey to be defined on the LTV side of yeah. things we do yeah. this is to eventually make money for me yes. so there are different things that kind of monetize differently there are different behaviors that affect lifetime value differently how do you map this journey out and this is probably where a lot of banking industry learnings now become relevant and interesting uh, in your space or how do you approach this yeah thing? so i think uh, after having spoken about activation let me sort of also give some literature around engagement and then i'll come <laughs> sure. to how he went about it jupiter so right very so, academically done very rigorous <laughs> clearly so i think from an engagement standpoint there are there are uh, let's say two ways to approach things one is how do you define engagement and then what is the strategy you build sure now from an engagement standpoint what we have done uh, what we have done is uh, defining Uh, what the engagement states of user will look like okay. uh, so in 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 that sense typically we we break down our users into three broad categories uh, one is our power user second one is our core user and third is our casual user okay. so in different parameters sure. of let's say how we define our users on the platform we sort of we uh, should do with some sort of a behavior that he's demonstrating right i mean he's That's done right. this this and this so yes. he's a power user yeah, yeah. or he comes x number of times in y number of days so is a power yeah. user yeah let me give like an example let's if uh. if i see that the user has activated uh, on debit card for example and upi in the first 30 days right and now has gotten to the state of engagement depending upon the number of times transactional user is making let's say on a debit card or upi how i see that frequency histogram internally basis that i define in which bucket my user sits is it is sure. it a casual bucket is it a core bucket or is it is it a power bucket okay the first one is this now then we when we talk about deepening engagement now from a deepening engagement start, standpoint and from a strategy standpoint uh, there are there are two ways to look at it um, in fact uh, we, we yeah there are, there are two ways to look at it one is of course by the virtue of he or she being on jupiter i have first objective of the uh, feature that he has already explored like a debit card or a upi how hmm. do i increase my engagement there hmm. but that will definitely have a cap to it hmm. at the same time how do i start to now build their journey on different features let's sure. say for example a so lending product do more product. of 40s anyway doing and do more things yes in some sense yes yes hmm. yes and then and going like classic upsell cross sell as as one would put it right that's right that's right correct hmm. correct and then depending upon what signal the user is giving in terms of their intent around exploration on the platform i start to build that journey hmm. right so one objective would be how do i continue deepen the engagement on the feature that they've already engaged with 
at the same time also take the signals to sort of start to cross sell the other you features. Know, exactly at this point, it hmm. gets massively fragmented. Yes. Right. Yes. And from a handling the number of data points and priorities and the people mapping of this gets messy. Yeah. How do you deal with this? Uh, it definitely gets messy, but I think what has helped us is probably two things. One is that uh, there is the growth team is more a platform team than mm. a product vertical team, right? Okay. So it allows us to sort of um, uh, disengage ourselves from individual features to rather mm. look at it from a user point of view, what makes sense, right? Mm. So, so when the moment you start start to do it, I think you you uh, you start to sort of think from user first perspective how those journeys could be built. Okay. From a product manager perspective, I think if you're a product manager of one vertical, you'll continue to sort of think how do I increase the engagement on a particular feature. So in only. your case, when you're saying product manager, in this case is a guy who owns a debit card business, is that? Yeah, for every thing? vertical, there's a product manager Correct. and a, and a business. Just so funnily, this is the classic irony of the traditional banking ecosystem because the orgs are designed to be product focused. So the credit card guy is one, home loan guy is yeah. one. Right. Personal guys one right. and, and so on and <clears> so forth. And these guys don't necessarily have a strong engagement with each other. Yes. Their reporting yes. verticals, their uh, growth objectives, their targets and KPIs are all independent in some sense. Right. So the right. same uh, customer essentially is getting all the different asks from all the different guys which yes. are running independent yes. of each other. Yes. Which can get messy. And this is a it's something that came up in another conversation with somebody from our traditional classic banking okay. system. And his view was that unless this breaks down, the user experience will not be seamless. Because the user, right. at the end of the day, is talking to the bank. He's yeah. not talking to yeah. a bank, a loan division or the credit card division or whatever. Correct, that's right. So in order to unify these relationships uh, and have one bank talk to the customer, you'll have to have this whole thing broken down into a level where the clusters focus on user cohorts more than they focus yeah. on yeah. Uh, product verticals. Right. So right. you're saying that the growth team that you're running right now yeah. is operating like a bit of a platform, which is... Uh, solving for this situation. It's more of a horizontal team. Correct. So that allows us to sort of think from that perspective to start mm. off with. But then even within that, uh, the way each of these different users' needs and preferences and journeys will evolve. Like you have as a bank multiple offerings. Uh, there's debit card, there's UPI payments, there's bank transfers, there's investments. You're a large portfolio, right? In order to make this meaningful or uh, to be able to create appropriate journeys for each cohort of user, power core and casual, three segments. Hmm. But meaningfully speaking, there could be a power user of just one aspect of this that's right. and that's so right. on. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I'm trying to understand the fragmentation of this whole thing. Yeah. Because if you have 2 million users, this would mean half a million across four things. Yeah, yeah. And so why? maybe quarter of a million across so right. many more things. How right. do you deal with this? So I think uh, we're still in the process sure. of doing this. Let, let me sort of... Have uh, you defined, let's say, a goal that, okay, this is where we head towards because all right. the research you've done would have helped you with Correct, something. correct, correct. Huh. We have definitely... Uh, identify the process to be able to get there. Sure. Now, from that process point of view, and I think uh, although we have By the multiple way, you're two years mature, and the <laughs> amount of stuff you're doing is insanely amazing already. So uh, obviously, there's nothing to be defensive about correct, here where you're correct. saying that this is still early days. Yeah, obviously, yeah. It's a lot of stuff is in early days. Also. Correct, correct. Banks so, have been around for 30, 40 years, and yeah, we still haven't figured right, this out. You're right. two years. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah. So I think that's also a motivation for us to continue to double down on what Absolutely. we're doing. So that what. Uh, banks would get to in 30-40 years we would want to be able to get to in 5-10 years so no? that's definitely yeah, one of our motivations so yeah so with respect to building this uh, let's say cohesive journeys for the user right um, and one is getting to a very personalization level I think sure. there is a long time to get to there but mm. if we can start with certain uh, segmentation of users mm. right when we can identify some common paths that we have seen the user typically takes so basically that common path you can define that hey out amongst this entire pool of 2 lakh users maybe I see these 3 or 4 segments sort of taking shape right and this is the variables that define these segments could 
come from a data science kind of an approach because I mean you would logically you might apply a demographic variable to it or a transaction recency frequency monetary value kind yeah, of variable to yeah, it. Right. Or it could emerge as I don't know something else, which is somebody who made this exact behavior is suddenly like the most amazing lifetime value. Correct, correct, and that correct. Seems to be the guy to kind of nudge the most and impact the most. That's right. That's right. So I think again we go back to those basics of right. figuring out those segments. And depending upon those segment of users, where do we see the, them transitioning or starting to explore or starting to build habit around different features? We try and sort of take that as signals hmm. and then start to build those journeys. Hmm. So that, that's how we go about it. So at this point, how many journeys would you be running? Um, so those are journeys if you were to define that. Uh, way. So we have been able to. We can. We can. We by this time we would have identified broadly three to four. Different user segments, sure. And basically, these three to four user segments, we are we are trying to de derive different. Uh, so the reason terms. I ask that question is, I obviously only have examples from the e-com side of the world, and where we kind of started to draw a line on segmentation is where personalization started to become a meaningful role. Because if you talk about fashion as a category, you have the male and the female, okay, two segments. So a classic situation, oh, yeah. and as a bank, I would rather not name them, would have a. Bunch of people just making HTML emails because they have a hundred odd emails to dispatch, hundred odd segments every day. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That's kind of how they operate. Now, in fashion and e-commerce and in food, for example, uh, it's insanely personalized. There is no way I can send a message to somebody sitting in Bilandur about a restaurant which is not serving Bilandur. It yeah, will, yeah, be pointless. that's right. So, if you were to start making segments around each locality, you'll go crazy. That's right. What you then do is utilize this as an if this then else kind of stuff that's right. and yes. make personalization components out of the whole thing too. Do this at scale. Yes. So my simple thought process is that at a certain point, the segmentation will break, and the personalization is the only way to now scale this. Up. Sure. Yes. Right. So in a communication, when you're doing it, if this guy is from a tier one city, then this tier two city, then this kind of communication That's starts right. to then shape your correct, uh, correct. messaging. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, automatically, not doing a one size fits all blast message, you're doing a very sharply customized. Yes. And if you have let's say four or five components of a message, the title comes from one logic, the middle body comes That's from right. another logic, the yes. second part comes from yes. another logic, the bottom yes. part comes from another logic. Yeah. So maybe you here put credit cards and here you put loans and here you put something else and each of them are kind of having a very nice interplay in terms Correct. of the user having a seamless experience. Yeah, yeah. So it's not multiple messages, it's the same message which has a certain architecture to it. Correct. Which is which is now becoming like a million users getting a million odd messages. Hmm. Hmm. So just to understand how you're playing this out right now and where you seem to be uh, clear that this is the path to go for. Yeah. Where are you headed with this? Uh, so I think, like I said, we're still in our early stages yeah, to be able to develop this. Um, and uh, right now it is user segment level, but like you are, like you mentioned, right? Huh. Um, there can be various ways to disintegrate the entire user segment. Sure. Let's say it could be where the users come from in terms of geography, what device they're using. Let's say sure. a communication to an Android user and versus an iOS user has to be very different, right? To let's say what features that they're engaging mm. on, what behavior they're showing on the platform, are, are they showing a saving behavior? Are they, let's say, by the virtue of they accumulating uh, more bunch of their funds around, let's say, saving tools, is that their behavior or they would want to rather, uh, uh, or they're using uh, investments as, let's say, one of the core propositions. Sure. Or let's say, uh, are, are, are heavy spenders and, mm. and by the virtue of they, they being heavy spenders, we could help them by giving out the best of offers available to us and so on and so forth, right? This is clearly a lot of things to be done, yeah. right, Abhishek? So what I would love to understand as um, um, as, a, as a part within this, org design-wise, you, you've built a fairly large team, lasted 100 or yes. people from what yes. I remember, right? Yes. So now in your current uh, agenda at Jupiter, from a team-building perspective, capability-building perspective, to handle this amount of, let's say, scale and complexity, yeah. how are you seeing yeah. that yeah. out? Yeah. So I should mention with, with respect to Trello, it was a very different ecosystem course, altogether. Content-driven player. Wherein we were actually uh, having content in 15 different languages. Sure, so that by the, add to complexity. Yeah, and by the virtue of 
we operating in 15 different languages we had to have representative for each of those languages right. to be able to build those strategies uh, trying to understand what that uh, user thinks what is the need around content and how do we actually talk to that user how do sure. we start with the conversation so by the virtue of that the team had become fairly large uh, but with respect to jupiter here we are trying to operate more in a lean fashion we have understood our levers fairly well mm. um, as to with, with respect to growth how do you how do you want to pursue it now we are just trying to align the right kind of people to be able to uh, fulfill the skills required to pull pull those levers mm, awesome so abhishek you've had a fairly interesting journey of the last few months here but last bunch of years as an entrepreneur as well as this tell me from a growth management perspective there are something that you understood as clear do's and don'ts and a bunch of mistakes that you might have either made or seen others make and learn from them can you zoom into some of these topics that okay this is the cl- classic definitely do and these are classic mistakes that people probably make when they're at this stage got it so i think probably we can start with do's uh, we've already spoken a bunch of things around understanding user and trying to identify their problem etc etc but maybe from a more execution standpoint i can touch one important aspect which is around how to solve for motivation of a user to engage right sure. and i think to solve for motivation typically the strategies that are adopted in the ecosystem around gamifications right <laughs> we get to that already okay awesome yeah right and interestingly in the fintech environment gamification is a slightly more uh, uh, complicated piece it's not as straightforward as let's say in, in it's in case of duolingo where by the virtue mm. of you engaging on different things you collect points and then you show up yeah. in a leaderboard yeah. etc yeah. it's not as simple as that but so there it's are it's not even be a forced gamification because if it's not changing behavior then what's the point exactly mm. exactly right mm. so i think couple of things that we have done which sort of helped us quite a lot of course we have our own rewards program or in our own, our, our own uh, uh, coin system right now one of the interesting things especially that we have we had done around our um, around our what we call as jupiter in app currency we call it jules right okay. so now uh, if you if you think of any reward a reward system out there mm-hmm. uh, just picking your brain uncle sure. what do you think is the most important problem from a user perspective think of any any conversion r- rates usually right ha huh. exactly Th- that's the exact when problem when you have like a million coins or probably more from a company which i don't know what to do with but right 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 mm. and from day 1 here at jupiter we had caller in app currency as one uh, as jules and one jule has a conversion rate of 1 rupee one jule is equal to 1 rupee it is sure. absolutely clear so we have okay. defined let's say how you can earn these jule internally in the um, in the ecosystem of jupiter by by the virtue of you doing various kind of actions mm-hmm. and like we discussed early on these actions are around let's say we which can help build long term habit or retention of a user mm-hmm. right and this transparency around one jule is equals to one rupee it was literally was was a very important trust sure, building sure, aspect sure. for our sure. users so you know a very classic uh, play here with incentivizing a certain set of behaviors in very pretty much direct monetary term in yeah, some sense yeah. right but usually when you talk about gamification it goes beyond monetary incentives because after it, a point it how does, much can does. you Yes. kind of uh, keep paying for uh, a certain behavior correct correct what are the other elements within that that you played with yeah, and you seen yeah, successful yeah. in fact i can talk about one very interesting case study uh, uh, um, there was the stamp wali diwali campaign that jpay had G-Pay. done in india so, few uh, years back right and and to me i think that was like a very classic case study from a gamification mm-hmm. standpoint now what all element did, what was first of all the structure of it and what all did they sort of solve for it mm-hmm. via that gamification mm-hmm. the first thing that they defined was by the virtue of you collecting different kinds of stamps they typically had like five different kinds of stamp by the virtue of you collecting different kind of stamps you unlock a reward 
Sure. And there were there were five different types of stamps, but you could continue to have the same kind of stamp by the virtue of you doing mm. different kind of actions. Mm. Mm. But once you complete that collection of collecting at least one unique stamp of, of, of five of them mm. of each, you unlock I think two fifty rupees. That was I think the reward. Sure. And there was a lucky winner angle to it, etc. Mm. But I tell you what interestingly that happened. Yeah. Interesting thing that that happened was users and first of all, let me take a step back. For each of the stamp, of course, there was a clear communication. Uh, for 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 stamps, there was a clear communication around what all actions you can do, sure. right? Now, from an actions perspective, also something that very was done very intelligently by Google Pay. Of course, it had actions like hey, you do a scan pay, hey, you transfer to your friend. By the virtue of you building uh, habits around these things, they also introduced certain actions like scan a dia near you, okay. right? So what I'm going to say is by the virtue of the the uh, uh, actions that they had. They ensure that there were certain national that user can do without any kind of friction. Now, mm. scanning a dia near you is a very simple action for you to sure. perform. So they ensured an instant gratification. The moment you scanned a dia, you got a stamp, right? But help me understand this. What is it that they were trying to do out of this? I mean, except perhaps using engagement of the application, yeah. metrics are bad. Yeah. So I think there were multiple That's things enough. that they were eventually mm. trying to uh, achieve. We'll get, we'll get to that. But yeah. let's, let's understand the construct sure. first, yeah, right? Yeah. So from a user perspective. By the virtue of they doing a very simple thing about as simple as scanning a dia, they unlock certain stamps. Sure. Now they got motivated to start doing other actions as well, mm. right? Which included the core actions of GPay. Okay. Which is let's say. Which uh, is saying if the first action was easy enough, it motivates me to do more. More things, okay, right? So let's say then then is uh, transact doing a scan and pay, or let's say transferring money to a friend, inviting a friend, and so on and so forth. So by the virtue I'm relating of, it back to your habit formation journey on the activation side, so kind of a multi-step process to make sure the user goes through the correct aha moment and the setup in the uh, that's right habit yeah stage. yeah hmm. yeah. So they continue to do all of those actions and continue to col uh, collect the stamp. Now interestingly, they they brought in another twist to the game, and that was amongst all the stamps, one particular stamp, if I remember it correctly, was Rangoli stamp, which went missing. Okay. Right. So there was, and then they brought in an interesting angle of network effect, which is Brishu sure. also spoke about, right? So they opened up another scenario of that you could request somebody to give you that stamp. Okay. So let's say if I am on GPay and I'm trying to engage in this uh, uh, gamification, and I if in my in a, in my entire collection I only have this one stamp missing of Rangoli, right? They gave me let's say a view of who all are my friends playing, what is the stamp collection looking and like? Coming from the contact data. Yeah. Okay. Right, and uh, um, and then you requesting them to send you a stamp, right? It's kind of the same as Candy Crush asking me for lives, right? Some cousin of mine who never spoken to me for a while, but yeah. now he suddenly want me to give him lives or Candy Crush. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I, yeah, sure. I still remember those days when uh, on the Facebook. Classic gamification of behavior, but correct. Linking it back to business goals, I think they would have had their own hypotheses. What is your takeaway from there? Then uh, I think the I think in, in terms of takeaways, right? Yeah. Takeaways is. When it comes to let's say building this entire journey of activation or engagement and so on and so forth, you have to translate them into into a, a, a gamification or let's say a strategy wherein the user gets motivated to start to perform those actions on your platform and not otherwise. Sure. Let's say let's talk about the context of Jupiter. Hmm. A user is going to anyway transact, right? Is going to make those expenses, but what he's will make the them? He's putting the money. He's going to spend. He's going to spend something or right? the other. Hmm. He's go, he's going to spend. If not, in, if not via Jupiter Avenues like a UPI debit card, etc., he is going to spend on, via other platforms, right? So by the virtue of gamification, in fact, we did something very similar on our platform as well. Wherein, by the virtue of this gamification aspect, what we try to drive was their spending behavior on Jupiter. By the virtue of, let's say, they doing certain actions, they continue to collect certain kind of in-app currencies, and those in-app mm. currencies lead to let's say certain kind of milestones. 
and those milestones then lead to certain kind of rewards for a user right sure. so that's that that kind of a I would play. in effect say that okay every time you open the app to scan and pay for something jupiter app and not google pay link to uh, the jupiter bank account you'll get a certain incentive maybe yeah so i think we did it more from a campaign perspective again sure. again as a, as a stamp the you want to spike a certain kind of behavior for a certain period and all those people will behave differently with the rest of their yeah, cohort yeah journey. however having said that what is the game changer here mm-hmm. let's say these campaigns can can let's say occur for uh, let's say a month or or two or whatever sure. right but what is the after effect of this campaign Correct. does it really translate Correct. into into the change of into behavior into the change of behavior sustained change of behavior sustained change of behavior mm-hmm. that's what is going to be so from a do's perspective you will want to play with the alternative ways of exciting or incentivizing the user to behave in a certain fashion yes yes and that's for the non monetary side of excitement which is a stamp and this and that but eventually it's still somewhat monetary have you seen any non monetary incentives like a you know i don't know leaderboards of some kind or whatever else or bragging rights in case of zomato they have those top foodie yes. and all of yes. that Uh, in your play, have you seen any any of these non-monetary incentives to do anything? Meaningful? Right. I think so far in fintech, I I don't have mm. uh, a class example at this point sure. in time, but definitely something like leaderboards or mm. badges that you can give to the user at different points in time. Those I think uh, uh, have been used by different apps. Haan, but but what? I mean, who is your user? What does he care about? Wale part mein chala jayega. What's the expectation of our user, which is above a salary of let's say twenty-five to fifty lakhs a year? in your app ecosystem in a tier one city like bombay might or might not be the right fit for some of this yes yes so is this something on your agenda to really think through gamification and non monetary incentives that definitely is. Out? so in fact gamification strategy what we essentially trying to solve for is motivation yeah. like i said right sure. and motivation could be solved from various methods again like a classic example of amazon right from an amazon perspective when you go and place an order you would see different elements there which are trying to create that uh, immediate action moment for you for example or, or loss aversion to sure. rather put it that mm. way for example lightning deal yeah, this deal is is urgency creation for creating sure. that urgency mm. right or 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 let's say saying that this offer is valid only for today sure. right so creating trying FOMO. to understand yeah creating a creating a a for is that a part of your play I mean that's an e-commerce platform which will have its own set of uh, needs and uh, expectations of drive behavior yes, yes. but in your case is sense of urgency a thing uh, so i think in in case of what really we need to solve for is what actions you want the user to Correct. do and what is the mo- right kind of motivation Correct, to, to them to drive the action right so let's say hypothetically speaking mm. if we let's say imagine that we could actually create let's say levels of users from the point of view of financial wellness scores for example sure. right if we come up with such kind of an uh, such such kind of financial wellness scores for example it is nothing but an interesting gamification idea for a user automatically make me bring all my spends here to begin with because i want that data and that scoring to happen yes yes correct correct mm. so i think what we have to do is bring in context to jupiter and try to understand what can uh, what would be the right strategy so from what i hear is a year from now you would have figured this out and we should have another conversation to yes, try and zoom in on what uh, what needs to happen yeah, yeah. And, you know in your whole thread itself you mentioned the don't that don't make it confusing because if one jewel is going to be 0.75 paisa here and 0.25 Something there, it'll end up being a nightmare for the user to interpret it. Yes. So, yes. are there more don'ts of that same nature that, or maybe things you saw as mistakes we made at your level, at your peer level yeah, in the industry? Yeah. 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 If you could just tell us through some of those. So, I think one of the interesting don'ts, uh, or rather, uh, something that I would, I would say we should be careful about is the resurrection strategies, right? Okay. At any given point in time, we see that there are bunch of users who are dormant, right? The reality for most of us, right? Right. So, but amongst those dormant users. how many of them can actually give you a value add in terms of you reaching out to them and they responding right mm. and then if, if if even they come to you does do they retain again for a long term right 
So uh, I think we stop just at sending one, let's say, an incentive or an offer to this user base to get, get them to again come back and transact on the platform. Yeah. But that 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 doesn't really retain or lead to like a long-term retention. Those mails have a certain open rate, which is usually single-digit low. Yes. Uh, if you've not opened a mail in six months. Chances that you'll open now is probably two percent, three percent. That's right. There's That's not right. much you can do there as such from this rule. Correct, correct, mm. correct. So I think that is one thing that I'm obviously always careful about. Mm. It, it, not just about um, resurrection, but it's also about engagement or any point in time in the user's journey. Mm. Trying to understand what will lead to, let's say, a one-time action, but really not translate into a long-term retention. Especially okay. seeing to an, uh, when we are looking at in, uh, drawing, uh, so drawing you're incentives. you saying that uh, you might be able to bring him back for once, but if the core value itself was messed up, he's not going to stick around. That's right. But uh, normally, of our installs, and I don't know if you uh, get able to share this number in some sense, but of all the app installs, there are a bunch of people who never onboarded, never really finished their KYC. Maybe they installed the app, maybe they still have that app lying on their phones. Of all the people who were onboarded, uh, not all of them obviously activated. Uh, a usually healthy percentage of these guys ends up not being activated and they still uh, you don't really know why they came in to begin with if they did not yeah, have to even put right, money into their account right, right? right so that's kind of where there's a large pool of dead semi-dead uncertainly what to do with users and to get these guys to engage might still be cheaper than getting completely new installs or uh, at least getting value do you see this in that light? So, I think from that point of view, and if we look at people who have gone inactive, right, there can be people who have consciously explored the app and realized that this is not going to give me give me value or sure. what I'm going to see. Yeah, but how do you do this from data? You know, subjectively, this makes sense. It's logical. But yeah, uh, yeah. they have not opened the app in the last 30 days. Yeah. Maybe they have money lying in the account. Maybe they don't have money lying in the account. Correct. Both correct. these are different scenarios and different kind of possible hypotheses that you can build out of it. As a structural approach to this, what would your take be? Okay, let's talk about inactive users, huh. right? And inactive users, and we can we can break it down into broadly three buckets. One bucket is people who never activated, sure. right? Second is the dormant bucket, wherein we are seeing that these people activated, they engaged to a fair extent, but then they went inactive. Sure. And there can be separate reasons for them going inactive. Hmm. And the last piece is that they have been dormant for a very long period of time, basically a churned user. Sure. For, and these users are not going to come back to us, depending, irrespective do. of whatever hmm. we, we are going to do. Hmm. Now it's is there a time uh, window to it? Is that all you define as a churn? Is there any other metric that you will also add to it? Uh, I think from a churn perspective, it's... it's, it's we like to look at our data and sort of map in terms of people who have been dormant for a, for a, for for different time frames. Hmm. What is the propensity for them to come back? Sure. So after a, let's say after nine months, the chances they'll come back is less than one percent. So you'll call yeah, them short. Correct. But, so I was adding the variables to it in terms of uh, would you say that somebody with an account balance of below X and seven months since last transaction is is there any other variable apart from time? Uh, so along with time, um, and in fact, let me add one more yeah. aspect to it. Mm -hmm. And I think since we're, since we're on this on this topic of resurrection, I think uh, a lot of times we start getting signal that the user is going to uh, become dormant, <laughs> yeah, propensity to churn sure. early on. So, for mm -hmm. example, if somebody has tried to reach out to the customer support couple of times in the last in in let's say the last one week or two uh -huh. weeks or whatever, and their query is still not resolved, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a strong signal that the user may want to. Uh, disqualify. Very interesting. So you're actually listening into customer support pura pura yeah. and bring them yeah. to your growth element correct, as well. Correct. It's a piece most people miss. Yeah. So I think it's so weird, no? But it's so intuitive that if somebody and you know, I've had fairly straightforward experiences where I've made a fairly large transaction on a platform only to cancel it six hours later because nobody would get back to me on support. That's right. Like, dude, that's stupid. Correct, correct. But that's the reality of a lot yeah, of companies. Yeah, yeah. So, you're very conscious that you yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. listen Definitely. into that customer. Yeah, yeah. So, in fact, those signals keep coming. So, for example, if let's say somebody 
has made a transaction but the transaction is not reflecting on the app right that sure. would be uh, one of the possible scenarios now for a user it's their money right it's of not course, the it's technicalities that have gone behind to care. move that money around but it's about that money reflecting mm. on the app right if 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 let's say that has become their query and it's not resolved timely it will lead to their churn so some sure. of these signals could come even early on Agreed. so in fact one is that when these things are happening how do we sort of track it and arrest them right there and then to begin with the data integration so you know your whatever ticketing system data has to come into your yes. dashboard that you tracking correct. where the signals get concerned yeah. correct so you know the gold standard of this was an example i was living in berlin and then i had uh, just casually tried amazon prime i put the card and some 79 dollars was the expected fees or euros in fact um, i forgot about it i didn't really transact much and eventually uh, at one day i got an sms that this transaction has been made on your card okay so i was alarmed that i'm not using it why should i pay those 80 dollars so i went to amazon not be at that time and logged in browsed around i made some three or four clicks and uh, there was a little uh, button there is this about the 79 dollars charge on your card they knew that this has happened yesterday there's yeah. a good chance yeah. i'm going to come back look at this right. button yeah. and i pressed that button they told me they're okay we can see that you've not made any transactions using this prime membership and uh, we're sad to see you go but if you want the money back just click here no conversation needed no customer care escalation right. no uh, right. anything but this whole thing was so smooth yeah, so that yeah. automatically one improved the trust with the platform two prevented a lot of hassle from me in that that's sense, right, right? That's and right. what you hinting at is kind of similar that if the customer is behaving in a certain fashion because of something not working or mm, something not mm. going as per expectations you have to proactively preempt them from uh, a negative correct. experience correct correct Very interesting, but this would have manifestations <laughs> across a lot of aspects of the org, right? That's Because right. That transactions were made and not really close. Yeah, yeah. There's probably somebody somewhere solving that problem That's as right. while you're dealing with the customer's satisfaction. Correct, as well. correct, correct. If you can zoom into this, I'd love to. Um, so I think I can talk about two interesting things that we are doing here. Huh. One is uh, we have a daily report that comes in with respect to uh, the entire customer uh, experience, right? Where right from tracking like. numbers like npa so csat we also look at top 5 queries that we received and uh, among those top 5 queries um what were the top buckets in which we received the queries right that is basically an information feedback for the respective product teams to be able to understand that what are the major problems the user is facing at a product sure. level so that i think informs the entire team as to how they are faring from a customer experience point of view sure. and not just from metric mm. point of view so that's one thing that we do the other thing that that uh, that I think the customer support, the customer experience team, rather, is trying to do is they work very closely with the engineering team mm. on resolution of these tickets. Sure. I think they have put together a very elaborate process. I think uh, for so that we want our customer experience head to uh, sort yeah, of elaborate yeah. on that. But I think they've they've worked a lot on sort of solving with the product and engineering team to be able to solve those queries as fast so, uh, as possible. The TAT on supply, uh, the tickets is pretty uh, clearly addressed. Yeah. What yeah. I was trying to zoom into was the growth team's window into this whole play because if that guy just raised a ticket which is still under resolution, yeah. maybe some things will resolve in hours and that'll be a good scenario. Maybe some things will take a little longer because it's technical. Yes. You can't necessarily yes. commit to having a two hour TAT. Right. So when the guy is in this process of uh, getting his situation resolved from a growth communication and nudges perspective slash product experience perspective you're cognizant of this to That's a fair extent at this point in time uh, at least for example something that that, that happened regularly unfortunately mm. are downturns on the sure, platform right as happens. in when they happen it's 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 one of our primary responsibilities to let the user know that hey there's a downturn that has happened sure. right or keep the user informed of of whatever query that they are facing on the platform that mm. is that is one aspect to it second aspect to it is that right now we are still at an l0 level where we get those queries 
uh, we know that they're under resolution, but let's say we are not proactively working from a growth aspect side of things, mm. and that's definitely an area for us to explore. Sure, it's a to-do item. Yeah, but you're yeah. conscious of it that this is something you want to add. You know, for example, because a lot of people do these feedback exercises. If somebody's uh, got a product, they'll send you a ten-point scale that rate us from one to ten. If this guy gives you one. The story ends there. Yeah, yeah. Do they yeah. give you a one? Do something about it. But Correct. that's kind of not where most systems tend to be talking that's right. to each other. That's right. And this that's is what right. amazes me that if you're asking for that as a feedback, this is a user attribute information for me to now have in my CRM that this guy rated me one last time. Yes. There's a good chance he'd either badmouth me or churn or whatever. Yes. So I have to make it up to him in my that's marketing right. communication. That's right. Yes. I can't say that you've had a bad experience, but here, here's a twenty dollar uh, discount and. As if nothing happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's Correct. a piece people seem to miss at a very a core level of integrating data from the CRM ticketing systems to the CRM communication systems. Correct. Correct, Interesting. correct. In fact, exactly on that note, in the middle of a conversation, we also spoke, spoke about user research, right? Sure. So you, one is that you put elaborate efforts, of course. but the users who at least were reaching out to you and are upfront telling you about oh, the experience yes. that they are uh, undergoing. It's an opportunity for you to solve, arrest the uh, uh, dormancy of that user right, right there and then. At the same time, solve for potential users who may face that same kind of an experience then i think it all the make all the more so makes that's sense that's kind of where uh, i find the banking industry war rooms very interesting so if you have a you know slightly dodgy transaction on your card matter of seconds you get a call that you know uh, that's right the bank that's and right you will do yes this. yes but the scale at which these guys operate to have a kind of good model on that's what right. needs to be surfaced is very powerful and i would imagine uh, for any serious consumer app if there are expecting transactions of a decent size especially in the banking system It's pretty like a war room, right? If you have a product funnel and people are struggling at a certain point, you could do that in-app nudge in the product itself, which is probably going to solve it. But if I was going to make a transaction of three lakhs and I'm trying to send money to somebody, and if it's getting stuck, I better get a better reaction than yeah, that little nudge, right. right? That's right. So that uh, the whole system of user experience in the product and then the corresponding communication play, whether it's a call being made or an email being sent or a WhatsApp being sent, hey, you're struggling, a live chat session being in, uh, initiated. Yeah. Multiple things can happen. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah, quite yeah. Fascinating. Just, just but one anecdote I want to share yeah. with you exactly on that note and how we brought Jitain also a couple of times sure. in the conversation. I still remember there was one uh, OKR planning meeting that we had, and uh, in that the customer support team sort of uh, uh, scoped out different asks they had from product and engineering teams, and there were of course. Uh, follow-up questions around how important these problems are help, help us prioritize topic, and right? so on because and so forth. Always a stuck bandwidth. Right, but I loved how my customer experience team responded, and hmm. they said, "Hey, it's a user's money stuck, right? It is the most important thing in their life. So don't. I think prioritization from a company perspective may be a wrong metric to look at it. Hmm. And uh, what we really need to think is." How do we solve the anxiety of that user, irrespective of in our priority sure. list of things, where does it fall? And, and I think while engineering will do what he'll do. The communication team can still start to play a role to say that hey, we understand this has happened, and yeah. we will figure out a way to solve it. And yeah. that's why kind of chatbots and all those automated communications to me seem like the interim solution, so to speak, because you know technology is technology; it will have a yeah. share of glitches yes. every once in a while. Yeah. But yeah. if you don't comfort the user right then, yes. like you know, there was this app which I was supposed to install uh, by one of the car rental companies. The app just won't let me log in, yeah. and this is after <laughs> three car bookings I've made in the last twenty yeah. minutes for a fairly large sum of money. Correct. And if I'm able to unlock the car using the app, uh, without the app I can't do it. The app just won't install. Yeah. So what would I do as a user? Yeah. Nobody called, nobody cared. I tried to write to somebody, didn't happen. The next two hours I cancelled all these bookings that's and right. moved to another that's competitor. Right. Yeah. So it was a seriously large transaction, but that's kind of what amazes me about. How uh, good attention to these little details can actually make a meaningful difference to the user That's experience right. yes. and translate into loyalty. <laughs> On that note, thank you so much for doing this, Abhishek. It's been a very interesting conversation. We've touched upon a 
fairly large variety of things. Yeah. I hope this was interesting for you as well. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Ankur. <laughs>